Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakita McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown, which is me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports First, right here on YouTube. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. The audio version drops every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday for the audio version at War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can type that in your search engine boxes where podcasts are available. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we have very definite opinions. (laughs) And we are unapologetically fun. Lakina. The baseball world is gathered at Denver, Colorado at Coors Field for tonight's All-Star Game. None of you care about the All-Star Game, so we're not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But we do want to congratulate one more again, as the kids would say, to our Chicago baseball All-Stars for the Cubs, Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell. For the White Sox, Liam Hendricks, Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon, and late addition, shortstop Tim Anderson. So it's nice to see T.A., as the kids would call him, uh, He'll be playing in tonight's All-Star game. You can see that, at least in the United States, living in the United States, on Fox, and I believe it's on MLB TV International for you international viewers. Mm-hmm. Now, Lakina, let's review the first half of the season. We'll start out with the good guys on the south side, and that's the Chicago White Sox. Uh, they post a record of 54-35, and 35, 19 games above 500. They are currently on a five-game winning streak. They take care of the Baltimore Orioles over the weekend. Lakina, the pitching has not been the greatest, but you have unsung heroes that, been, that have been coming through uh, for uh, for this team this season. Of course, you talk about the recent rookie call-up in Gavin Sheets, Brian Goodwin, Adam Engel, who returned from injury early last week. Uh, he he del- delivered that big three-run homework uh, in last Sunday's uh, victory at Baltimore. Let me tell you something, looking at right now. I, I do believe that this is a special season for the White Sox. Will it culminate in a World Series, Series championship? That remains to be seen. But you have to give GM Rakan credit, as we have been doing all season long, for having depth on this roster, especially with the amount of injuries that this club has been dealing with. You have to give Tony La Russa uh, his um, share due credit as well. We're not going to talk about that silly incident of Minnesota that's way in the past. I'm not going to deal with that. We dealt with that uh, too many times. But the the way that this team is playing right now, you have the third best record in baseball, the best record in the AL next to the Houston Astros. We'll get to what they did over the weekend against the Yankees uh, later on in this segment. But if you're the, if you're a White Sox fan, you should be happy about your team. Enjoy it because things are going to get – more interesting as the trade deadline approaches in the next two and a half weeks or so. And, of course, in the second half, the schedule gets tougher, but uh, this team is built to handle it. And you should just be uh, satisfied right now. Don't be that 
meatball fan that everything has to be perfect. We all know that during a long season, things are not going to go your, your way. Things are not going to be perfect. You have ups and downs. And for the way this White Sox team has played, if, uh, the, if the award ceremonies will, have been held, will be held today for American, American League Manager of the Year, Tony La Russa would get it hands down. I mean, look, I think this is going to be one of those things where you look at, you know, there were so many, there were so many heroes, both unsung and otherwise for the White Sox, you know, so far. Anderson, who, Tim Anderson, who rightfully got that spot in the All-Star game, you know, who'll be playing tonight. You know, Jose, you know, Abreu, Moncada, you know, they got guys like, you know, Mercedes, you know, he's kind of, you know, taking a couple of steps back since guys have caught up with him. And they've been able to kind of bounce back through, you know, injuries. You know, most injuries, you know, some teams would have, you know, completely sunk. But the fact that the White Sox are so, have so much depth, I mean, you got guys like good. We got guys like, you know, don't forget Jake Berger, Gavin Sheets. I mean, you get, all those guys are kind of Andrew Vaughn too. You got so many guys stepping up to kind of pick up the slack with some of the various injuries. Now, Eloy will probably be back, you know, right, right you know, maybe, in, you know, in early August, you know, Maybe Robert might be back too by then. You know that's the word, early word now. So we'll see. You know what happens with that. I mean, as far as the pitching goes, I mean, Giolito, you know, is you know doing Giolito. I know he hasn't had you know, his, his last couple of starts have been not very very good, but he's been doing just enough to be consistent. You know, Keiko is doing his thing. Seems to be up and down, but you know he kind of been bounced back from you know some of the other things that have gone on. You know, Lance Lynn's been a, a nice nice pickup for the White Sox. Rodon, of course, had no hitter had the no hitter earlier this season. You know, he's been kind of been staying steady. So, I, I, look, I think for me, I think that this is sort of like a team. If you're a White Sox fan, you should be very happy about where you're at right now as a whole. Now, we'll see what Rick Hahn does, you know, as the, the, the trade deadline approaches. I mean, do you get another middle relief guy? I mean, you know, they have, you know, White Sox, you know, this might, you know, call some White Sox fans off guard, but they have, have had some issues with, you know, the middle relief. Do you get another middle reliever? Do you get, perhaps maybe get another bullpen guy? I mean, Michael, po- <coughs> Michael Kopeck is back, had a solid start against, you know, the Orioles on Sunday, you know, which is, you know, very solid, which is what you want to see. But again, you know, do you need the extra bullpen arm? I mean, the hitting, I think, will take care of itself as long as no one goes in through a, you know, a linear slump. I think you're in a very good spot there, you know, hitting-wise. You got a lot of depth there. You got young guys stepping up. So you're in very good shape in, in that sense. But again, you know, if you're Rick Hahn, you're in a very interesting spot as you approach the trade deadline. Uh, and speaking of GM Rickon, we talked about this looking in for the last few weeks. Uh, you're you're in a perfect spot. I don't want to say perfect spot, but you are in a perfect spot. I'll go ahead and say you're in a perfect spot if you're Rickon, especially dealing with all these injuries and the depth that uh, has shown that the players that uh, have replaced these starters. They're shown for the most part that they they are able to do the job. But you could use a couple of those pieces potentially to pull off a trade, as we said on this show for the last few weeks. Uh, uh, people have been talking about, you need another big bat. You need another big bat. Uh, that bat is coming, i.e. Eloy Jimenez, hopefully by the time at the end of this month, at least soon, like you said, a couple of days after the trade deadline, uh, which is July 31st. But this number one issue for this team is mail relief. And I've been saying, uh, I know there was an article in the Chicago Tribune that came out over the weekend and saying that the Craig Campbell could be used uh, could be used on the south side. I'm not opposed to that at all. I know Craig Campbell's the closer. I know Liam Hendricks, who's who's going to play in tonight's All Star game, he's the closer for the Sox. But if, you, if somehow you can get Craig Campbell, that'd be great. But 
everybody can use Craig Kimball from around baseball. So uh, his price tag is already high. Uh, how much, if you're Rick Hine, you're going to give up, I'm not sure. But I brought this guy's name up in our last episode, uh, Andrew Chafin. I don't think he's going to cost too much. He's a left-hander, and he's been doing it. One of the three cup relievers out of that bullpen has been doing the job all year. I know that had a tough stretch here over the last couple of weeks, but the, that club's bullpen has been, most of all, been doing the job all year. I would take a flyer on him. He won't have to cost as much. So if you were kind of, you have some options here, but as we've been saying for the last two or three weeks, the reason why you don't see big trades happening right up to the All-Star break because the asking price for these um, needed veterans, these needed players, are too high. And so now you get into at least the last two and a half weeks before the trade deadline. Things may start to heat up after the All-Star game tonight, but if you're Rick Hahn, you want to make the best possible deal without mortgaging your whole future. That's what I've been saying all along. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what the, the, the price is going to be for a lot of those guys you mentioned. Say that they will, again, you know, they may, they may wait till the very last minute of these teams to see where they are. That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, you know, where you are, especially once you get to the, the point where you get close to the trade line, do you, can you maybe gain ground? I think that's probably why some teams are probably waiting and doing the, doing the way to see approach. I mean, you, know, mm-hmm. you, just, you just don't know what, what, what direction that some of these teams are going to go. So, um, look, if I think you're the White Sox, you're in, you're in the top five in RBIs, you're in the top five in batting average, you know, you're in the top five in a lot of the, the categories, both in pitching and in hitting. So, despite, you know, all the injuries, you're in a pretty good spot right now. So, we'll see. I mean, they might – look, I mean, look, I mean, Rickon might just stand pat. Who knows? I mean, we, just, we don't know what he's going to do. You know, we know he has that – you know, sort of like is always laser focused. So we just don't know what he's going to do. So we'll, we'll see what he does. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to see what happens in you know, these next couple of weeks after the all-star break, you know, what's going to happen to some of these players and some other players that are being mentioned. So again, I, I don't, I don't know what, what's going to happen, but again, it's going to be an interesting ride. And also too, let's not forget uh, at Adam, Adam Frazier, who's going to play uh, in tonight's All-Star game, represent the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's, um, according to reports, on the White Sox radar, along with Escobar from Arizona, who's going to represent the Diamondbacks in tonight's All-Star game. He's on the radar as well, as well, according to reports. I know some people thought there was a deal that was in place about a week ago, but nothing has transpired yet. As we said before, the price tag is too high. And so that's why you don't see deals made before uh, July 4th and not before the All-Star break. So like you said, it's going to be interesting to see what Rick Hahn does. As I predicted before, and I'll still predict, it's going to be up until the 11th hour. And you you had to make smarter deals that way. I know on teams on the other side, they have players that these contending teams want. They could ask for just about whatever they want, but you, you can't fleece teams and they and, Usually a couple of teams try to do that, and they go home empty-handed. So if you're Rick Hahn, you're going to play this smart, and and if you say this is the year to go for it, then go for it. You you just don't want to mortgage the whole future on a couple of rented players that, that, that are basically going to be here for the next couple of months. And you just have may, to be real careful with that. And they may be gone by the end of the season. That's another thing you got to be mm-hmm. careful of careful of and you know like i said before when i, I said in the last episode you know it gets the, the schedule gets, gets a little tough for the white Sox. i mean they have three you know hosting houston right off the bat then they have four against minnesota they've been playing a little bit better 
Minnesota, uh, Milwaukee, I should say. They are up to Milwaukee for three. Mm -hmm. They have KC for four. You know, they're kind of, you know, they kind of had, you know, been up and down the, the KC is, but they're sort of still kind of within distance of one of the wild cards. Cleveland, you can probably put them away. So, and then you got the, the and then after that, they got Casey again. He got in early August, those, those Cubs games against the Cubs. So, not a very, not, not a very easy start right off the bat as you get off the All Star break for the White Sox. So, you kind of have to play this very carefully here. And, you know, if you're, you know, before, you know, when we get to the Cubs, I mean, you don't want to more, if you're a Rick Hahn, you don't want to mortgage your future for guys that will probably be gone by the end of the year. So, you don't want to, you have to be careful when it comes to that. So, that's another thing you got to watch out for. So, we'll see what Rick Hahn does. I'll give this kindly reminder, and I meant to say this in our last episode. The team that won the division the last few years, the Minnesota Twins, they had all the bats in the world. When it came down to it in the playoffs, they had no pitching, starting pitching in particular. Let me say that again. For all those people that in White Sox Nation, they said, we need a big bat, we need a big bat. Go ahead and get your big bat. But the team that, that has won the division these last few years in the Minnesota Twins, what did they do come playoff time? Those bats went silent, and they started pitching was crap. I just want to remind Sox fans that, the ones that said, we need a big bat, and we can scare these teams. You need players that know how to play playoff baseball. What we say every year, Lakina, you need timely hitting in October, but it's all about pitching and defense. Um, here we remind some Sox fans, even the ones that decided to jump on the bandwagon last year and, and some this year. We studied that 05 team. Yes, that team hit over 200 home runs during the regular season. But when it came down to it in the playoffs, they took advantage of the other team's mistakes. It was about timely hitting, but it was about pitching and defense. Those two things that's going to win you games in October and hoist that trophy. I just want to remind some Sox fans about that. Well, and the, and well unlike the Twins, you actually have the pitching, the, you know, the White Sox mm -hmm. the pitching. So well, we'll see what they do with it. Too. Look, it's going to be interesting as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. You listen to Second City Sports Zoom style along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. Let's go to the north side for a second, Sid. I mean, you know, the Cubs, you know, split their series against St. Louis. Unfortunately, they weren't able to play that last game against St. Louis because of the rain. <laughs> I think they could have squeezed it in, but again, that's just me. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, like, you know, it wasn't like it was like, it wasn't like it was a torrential downpour. It was sort of like, you know, starting to stop rain. It was more miss, but again, that's a, again, I, that's a. It was much worse on Saturday. Uh, we, yeah. we told you, we, we didn't and think they were, was going to get it in, but we, they did get it in. Somehow. But it, it was, yeah, <laughs> somehow, but. That'll be part, yeah, that game will be part of a September 24th doubleheader. They're 44 and 46, Sid. They're eight games up, you know, where people are already saying they should sell. But then again, you know, Milwaukee, again, a, a team that I don't trust. And they're proving my point. They lost three straight heading into the break. So, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, Kimbrel's name is being thrown around. You know, Chapin, you just said, Sid, you know, mm -hmm. guys like Javi Baez, you know, Chris Bryan, mm -hmm. Anthony Rizzo. So what, what, what do you think? Okay, how, what do you think about the Cubs season so far? And, you know, are there going to be sellers As I predicted on this show for the last week or so, if the Cubs found themselves in a position of between eight and 10 games out, I think Jay Hoyer will make up his mind. I'm sure that he's fielding calls right now, and the losing streak have, couldn't have come at a worse time if you're a Cubs fan. But if you're Jay Hoyer, that you're given orders by the Riggs family, we all know that they want to cut 
financial uh, cut cut to save money. And this is what he has to do. But going back to on the field, Lakina, it, this team, I'm not going to say they look lifeless, but it seemed that way, especially on watching some of that game on Saturday. I was watching Yankees and in the Astros. We'll get to that that series later. But watching some of that game on Saturday, it's just I, I'm not going to say they quit because they'll be they'll be unjust. So I'm not going to go that route. It's just like they were going through the motions, and and when stuff like that starts to happen, you really have to question your team. I know manager David Ross has tried everything in the book uh, over these last couple of weeks, but whatever, whatever, whatever has he, he's tried, it hasn't worked. Now, Friday's last Friday's game, they look like the team that not going to say they're going to win the whole thing and win the division, but they look like a competitive team out there. Saturday, just, yeah, they got guys on, but they couldn't get them across home plate. And that, and we said this all year, uh, they're consistently inconsistent when in terms of scoring runs. And what really saved them was um, the, their bullpens, we mentioned, especially during the month of May. And you had Kyle Hendricks that started to turn around. He actually won his start, his last start uh, last Friday. But uh, um, Zach Davies didn't have it on Saturday. No one had it on uh, last Saturday. And so in the, in the back end on the rotation, Albert Azale actually looked, he looked okay except for his last start. He's actually looked okay ever since coming back from the injured list. But Jake Arrieta looks like he's done in, in the Cubs uniform. I know technically he's on the IL, but if you DFA him, uh, that that's fine by me. But f- for the Cubs, yeah, it, it just doesn't look good right now. Even though you still technically have a chance, I know you're going to break that down that schedule again coming up in a minute. But I don't know if you caught the comments of, Wilson Contreras, Wilson that Contreras, catcher yeah. following, yeah, Wilson Contreras following Saturday's loss, um, saying that the team doesn't have any energy. I'm just paraphrasing here. The team doesn't have any energy. Uh, they need to play a whole lot better. Uh, uh, when you start to hear stuff like that, especially spew uh, out in front of everybody to hear, that causes potential problems within the locker room. I'm not saying there's potential problems in the locker room. I'm not there. But – it doesn't look good. Uh, if you use if, if Wilson is using that to fire up his team, so be it. But it just doesn't look good. You're really trying to find a- answers. I don't know if you can find answers uh, in time for July 31st before Joe Hoyer really tries to back up the truck. Well, yeah. I mean, those those comments. I mean, I know I know Rossi said those comments are completely you know out of you know out of the ordinary and you know, out, of, out of context and it, but if you look at you know what happened on saturday now could have been maybe the rain you know there was some you know word that maybe they would postpone you know saturday's game you know maybe maybe just mentally they weren't there look it happens but i think the fact that everything like you said you know injuries and also too i think everything everyone just started like everything just started sticking for the cubs mm-hmm. it seems those these last couple of weeks i mean after that combined no hitter against you know the dodgers you know they were just just completely just, you know, the air just kind of mm-hmm. went out the tires with them. And, and look, it could have happened at a worse time. You know, you had everybody saying, see, we told you, you know, this Cubs team is not a contending team and, you know, this and that. And I think, look, we said it before, that division, that NL Central is not, look, that the Milwaukee's not, are not world, pe- or we're not world beaters, let, let's be honest with that. And look, I think, Look, I'm sure, you know, Hoyer, like you said, I'm sure he's feeling calls for guys like Kimbrough, guys like Chapin, 
you know, guys probably perhaps maybe Baez. I mean, look, whatever, like whatever's going on, you know, with the team and with, you know, mentally with the team, I mean, they need to figure it out. They'll, but thankfully they have some time to figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, and figure it out quick because, you know, a lot of these guys are probably going to be gone by, by the end of this month. So I think they need to look, they've got, you know, three against at Arizona, they got four against St. Louis, you know, and then they finish up that against mm-hmm. Arizona. Then they have four against Cincinnati at home. So, We'll, right before the trade deadline, we'll see what happens there. If they can gain, if they perhaps maybe gain a couple of games during that stretch, I mean, maybe, maybe Jed will make some minor moves. If not, I mean, a lot of these guys are going to be gone. And I think, look, look, as far as the financial stuff, I mean, they could, you know, look, the Rickers, we've we talked about this for like the last few months. So they can cry poor all they want. They can say, <laughs> well, the, mark, the marquee network, you know, okay, it's bringing in money. Okay, fine. But, and the you know, Wrigleyville is, you know, that whole area, I think, is bringing in money now that everything is starting to open up again. But mm-hmm. but still, I mean, they, they can't use it as an excuse because if not, I'm sure other teams will probably would be using it as an excuse too, so they can't use that. So mm-hmm. I, I just think at this point, I think, look, whatever happens with the Cubs happens. I mean, I don't think if you are going to go full-on rebuild, you're not going to be able to sell, you know, those young players to your fan base. Like you're not, you're not, you're just not going to be able to do that. So if you're going to rebuild, you better hope it doesn't take no more than two years to do it because Cubs fans are very fickle. And yes, you, yes, y'all are. Some of you are, you know, <laughs> you don't figure it out. Don't figure it out quick. I mean, they could be, they could, they could kind of be right back where they started. Maybe I can say what in the early 2000s after all, after those teams, you know, didn't you know go as far as they would have, but you know, we'll see what happens. We talked about this before, Lakina, uh, during last year's shortened season. Uh, the Marquee Network was in its first year, and baseball, in baseball sense, it would make sense if the Cubs wanted to rebuild, they could do it. But you're now, fast forward now a year later, you're in year two of that network. And like you say, if you want to do a full rebuild, it's going to take you longer than two years. And do you want to have Cub fans invest into a new channel and watch young players lose 90 to 100 games a year, they cannot do that. You, you, you could try to be like the Boston Red Sox and rebuild on the fly. It's worked for them, but will it work for you for the Cubs? I, I'm not so sure. But as of right now, I don't get the sense that Jed Horrier wants to back up the truck fully, even if he wanted to, because like you said, like we said when we talked about the White Sox a few moments ago, many of this, these teams are going to wait to the last minute to make deals if you're Jed Horrier. If you want to trade Chris Bryant or Craig Kimball, who's who could probably bring the most back for you, you you have to wait to the last minute because you have the prize that other contending teams want, and you don't have to make a deal right now. That's why I, I said they don't have to make a deal right now. You can wait, especially if things continue to go downward. You have all the leverage because you have the players that these contending teams want, and you can ask for wherever you want to ask for. Right now, I don't think they'll give uh, great value right now. Oh, so, yeah. I, but but I don't I don't think he'll I'm talking about Jed Hoyer. I don't think he'll back the truck up fully. I think Craig Kimball. If I can make a prediction, I think Craig Kimball. If things continue to go downward, I think Craig Kimball will be gone, and maybe somebody else. But Bias and and Chris Bryant, I don't think so. I'm sure he's going to take calls. I'm sure if not, if not already about those two guys, but. I don't think it's going to be a complete fire sale as many people expect or want it to be. 
Yeah, and I think that's, like you said, so I think that's going to be the thing, right? I mean, the fact that I know people want to be, hey, let's go full on, but look, do you really think you're going to go over there and you're going to go to a Cubs team that features, you know, some players that you brought that never that you never heard of that been in the minors? You're not. And, and look, you know, right off the bat, if you look at some of these schedules, I mean, the Brewers, they get Cincy right off the bat after the All-Star break, mm-hmm. then they have um, a mini two-gamer against KC, and then they, all, they, they host the White Sox next weekend. You know, y'all can help them out a little bit, too. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and in that sense, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, Atlanta, we'll get to them in a second because, they, unfortunately, they lost one of their top guys. So, mm-hmm. I think if you're, if you're trying to hoard, you're, I think, you're, of course, you're going to field calls, you know, you know he, he learned from Theo, so he knows how to kind of like maneuver things. You know, you'll take calls. You'll see, okay, you want, you, know, you want Kimbrough, you want, you know, you want maybe Javier Baez or, or something like that. But again, you're waiting to see if you somehow gain maybe three or four games within the next week, you know, again, like I said, that division is very fickle. That division is winnable. Whether people want to admit it or not, they say, oh, well, they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, the division's not good enough either. Sorry, folks. No one's going to – people thought that <laughs> people thought that the Cardinals were going to run away with the, with the division. They haven't. They're going through the motions too. So let, let's, you know, let, let's be a little honest here, kids. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Let's wrap up this segment. Lakina, uh, re- with reviewing uh, the first half of the year with the – rest of major league baseball let's start out in the nl central the milwaukee brewers have a 53 and 39 record four games above the cincinnati reds eight up on the cubs and cardinals and 13 sorry not 13 18 up on the pittsburgh pirates Uh, i did watch some of the game on saturday with the brewers and the cincinnati reds cincinnati's on a hot streak right now do i think they're going to make a move at the deadline probably not and uh, Milwaukee's good. They own a high street too, but they've been more of the consistent team in that division. As we said before the season started, uh, whoever's going to grab this division is going to be a lucky one of the luckiest teams in baseball because uh, these teams are almost evenly matched, and they're not as strong or feared as people thought. Now, I still have St. Louis winning that division. Uh, I picked them to win it. Uh, will they win it this year? I'm not so sure. They have the same record as the Cubs, but if you look – uh, the way they played last Saturday at Wrigley, you would think that they're not going to say one run with the division, but they'll make a run. Maybe they'll still make a run, but right now it doesn't seem likely. Milwaukee, as we've been saying all year, Brandon Rudolph, who's an all-star, I believe. Uh, uh, he's been one of the best pitchers in the National League. Uh, their offense is a little bit more consistent than the Cubs. It's not that much better, but they've been consistently consistent just a little bit more than the Cubs. So they're on, they, they capture a hot streak with their schedule. And that's the reason why they're in first place. Do I expect that to continue? Maybe, but that I don't think you should give them the division just yet. Well, no, like I said before, that's why all the more reason that the Cubs should try to hang on as much as they can. Like I said, they were, they were just up three games, like about like two, three weeks ago. So I think people need to mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, wake up and see that this division is very winnable. So I, I think that people just need to kind of like just, you know, chill for a second and not, you know, hey, let's go you know, trade everybody. No, because the division's still right there. I mean, no one's saying that the whoever wins the NL Central is going to end up winning the World Series. Nobody's saying that. But, you know, again, every, you know, essentially maybe Pittsburgh, you know, all four of those teams, the remaining teams, can win that division, whether people want to admit it or not. So let's <laughs> let's let's give it a little time here, and and we'll see what happens. Look, I think you know all four of them have tough schedules in the second half, so we'll see what happens. 
Yeah. Let's go over to the NL East. The New York Mets lead that division by three and a half games over Philadelphia. The Atlanta Braves by four games. The Washington Nationals by six. Of course, the Miami Marlins by nine games. Of course, Lakinum uh, mentioned this a moment ago. Uh, the Florida Marlins took care of the Braves last weekend down there at South Beach. Uh, Ronald Ocuna Jr., their all-star right fielder, had a torn ACL in last Saturday's loss. Uh, it, I saw it, Lakina on replay. It looked ugly. Um, hopefully that young man, he will be back, but not this season. Uh, hopefully he'll be back uh, stronger and healthy and more determined for the start of the 2022 season. We mentioned the, the, uh, the struggles for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they've been struggling all year trying to get to at least 500. I know they were one game away from the World Series in the bubble last year, but this year has not worked out for them. And things, unfortunately, went from bad to worse. Yeah, just, you know, look at, like we've been saying about Atlanta, we, they just can't catch a break. I mean, you lose one of your top mm-hmm. guys, and your most, one of your most popular you know, players on the team to a torn mm-hmm. ACL. He's going to be done. He's done for the year. And, you know, they – you know, unfortunately, they lost their series you know, against the Marlins. So, unfortunately for them, they did not end on a high mm-hmm. note. The Nationals lost four in a row. So, they, you know, you thought that maybe they were starting to get it together, but then it turns out, you know, they haven't. And, you know, they, you know, they get swept by the Giants. And I, I just, you know, unfortunately, I think maybe we'll see what happens with them. I mean, the Met, look, the Mets. I mean, look, like I said before, I don't trust the Mets. <laughs> I've, said it, I've said it multiple times, so I don't know. Look, I think anybody can win the division at this point. I mean, the Phillies, you know, they've been kind of up and down, but they've sort of stayed afloat. They're only three and a half back. So, you know, I don't know. Look, they look, they won two out of three against the Red Sox you know, in their last series mm-hmm. before the break. So, I, I don't know. I mean, look, we'll see. I mean, I think this is, this is one of those divisions where we'll see who makes, you know, what moves are being, will be made. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I mean, look, I think you could put you could put all four of these teams' names in a hat and you pick one out, and then you say, "Oh, well, this team could win that division." So the AL is probably is there for the taking. So we'll we'll see what kind of moves are that will be made during the trade. Who's going to make you know what moves during the trade deadline? Because I'm sure there are, there are a lot of players available, but now but a lot more teams need them. So we'll see what happens in there. Before I lose my lunch, let's go over to the NL West, <laughs> the San Francisco Giants. Post the best record in that division with the 57-32 mark. Two games up on the defending world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. Six up on the San Diego Padres. Colorado and Arizona need not apply. <laughs> As we said before, Lakina, uh, I don't think the San Francisco Giants are going anywhere. Will they, will they win that division? I don't think so, but I think they'll grab one of those wild card spots. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Giants management does. Will they what will they do at the trade downline? Will they pick up another starting pitcher? Will they pick up another bat? Uh, we shall see. But the Dodgers, uh, Trevor Bauer, we talked about that situation in our last episode. I don't know if he's going to uh, pitch again for this upcoming season. He's currently on administrative leave again uh, due to uh, the alleged uh, sexual allegation, allegations. So we'll leave that part alone. But as far as on the field, they took care of the Diamondbacks uh, right before the All-Star break. And so the Dodgers won't go anywhere. We'll... Will GM Andrew Freeman look for another starter? I know David Price, they don't want to throw him. He's in a bullpen. I don't know they don't want to throw him in the starting rotation, given his age. But will Andrew Freeman look for another starter? We don't know. Uh, San Diego, will they pull off a surprise move? Uh, we don't know either. But uh, the, I think that team is on the rise. I think I did pick them to win the division before the season. 
Uh, I, I still will stick to that. But the San Francisco Giants will be the team who will throw a micro wrench in all this. Well, well, unfortunately for the Padres, they lost two out of three to the Rockies. Going to the All-Star break, so I think that's not probably not the way they want to finish, you know, their their first mm-hmm. half of the season. But you know, but again, look, they're six back. I mean, I don't think any no one thought that the Giants would be in first place right now in that division. But again, we'll see if they run out of gas. I mean, I, I know that they they've won four in a row. We'll see if the Giants do anything. A lot of people thought that maybe the mm-hmm. Giants would, you know, have a fire sale themselves. You know, with a lot of a little bit of some veteran players, but also to some young guys and. Again, we'll see if they can, can keep up now. The Dodgers, I mean, look, I mean, Freeman's in a tough spot now with, you know, what's you know, happening to Bauer. So we'll see what, you know, we'll see what you know, moves he makes. I know, I, I'm sure they probably don't want to put Price back out there because he's actually been a pretty, pretty solid in the bullpen. So I don't think they're going to want to try to stretch him out, especially like he said, with his age. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see what, what he does. You know, I'm sure they're going to want another starter. But again, I think that West Division and a West Division is probably a lot more competitive than people thought it would be. So, you know, much pretty much much important thanks to the Giants, but should be interesting. Let's uh, to wrap up this segment on baseball, Lakina. Let's go over to the American League divisions. We already talked about the uh, AL Central earlier. Let's go over to the AL East. The Boston Red Sox posted 55-36 mark. They're a game and a half on up on the Tampa Bay Rays, the defending American League champs. Uh, they're up by eight games over Toronto, eight up on the Yankees. Baltimore need not apply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Boston Red Sox, I told you, Lakita, I'm not impressed with their starting pitching. It's been good enough because their offense is good, especially by all-star third baseman Rafael Devers. He's good. You still have J.D. Martinez. You still have Johnny Ferdugo over there. So they're their offense is really what's been carrying that their Red Sox team. Now Toronto, they don't have the starting pitching. I believe I told you I have them winning the wild card coming out of the American League. I like their offense, but their pitching, this their starting pitching is not that good. I know you still have Marcus Stroman over there, but you still need more than him. Uh, the Yankees uh, we'll, we'll discuss their series against the Astros in just a moment, but. Uh, this might be the year that you may have to sell off a couple of pieces. I, I, I For the life of me, I just can't f- figure out what's mm-hmm. going on with that team. I know they have uh, Corey Cooler, but their starter who pitched a no-hitter at Texas early in the season. Looks like he's going to be out until September now. Mm-hmm. I know Aaron Judge, who had that big home run on Saturday night, but can you trust him to stay healthy for the entire year? John Carlos Stanton, he's one of the best power hitters in the game, but he always has in, uh, health issues. So for the Yankees, I, I just don't have any faith in them right now. I just don't. Well, let's talk about the Red Sox for a second. Again, this, to me, this is there's kind of the same, you know, in the same situation as the Giants. I don't think anybody thought that they'd be right there leading their division, mm-hmm. you know, going into the All-Star break, you know, they're one and a half up. I mean, look, the Rays, you know, they're, they're hanging on. You know, I know they've had some injury issues, but, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what they can do with, with them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm – like, you know, Toronto, I know that um, Vlad leads in multiple categories. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, like, he, I think he's either, like, in the top five or leads the, league, leads the uh, league in, like, multiple categories. You know, I think, I think only he up with Otani in home runs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, like, he leads in, like, RBIs and batting average, too. So, well, like I said, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what he does. I mean, but like you said, Sid, I mean, unfortunately for Toronto, they don't have the pitching right now. So, that's, that's the thing that's going to mm-hmm. keep them from – 
you know, I think they still have a, like you said, they still have an outside shot going into the wild card, getting the, one of the wild card spots. So I'm thinking that that's probably going to be the saving grace for them. New York, I, I just don't know. I mean, you know, injuries and, you know, everything. I mean, we'll get to what happened with that Astros series. I just think, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I just can't believe what happened in that Astros series. But again, we'll get to it in a minute. But, you know, I think that that AL East, I think, look, I think, you know, I think the Red Sox, again, we'll see how far they can hang on the Rays, and I would probably say maybe if Toronto could kind of make some moves with their pitching, like they could be kind of like right there too. It might, it might be a, a big, you know, leap for them, but we'll see. But I think that they can, they can, I think they can do it. Yeah. If you're Tampa Bay, do you, especially with Tyler Glass now out, now yep. out for the year. Yep. And you got injured here in Chicago last month, uh, last month. Uh, will they, uh, will they have enough to acquire a starting pitcher? Hmm. Do they have Let's, enough, though? Dude, I mean, that's going to be yeah. the thing. Let's uh, wrap this up by going over to the AL West. The Houston Astros have a 55-36 and 36 record, three and a half games up on the Oakland A's, seven up on the Seattle Mariners, the Los Angeles Angels uh, by nine games. The Texas Rangers need not apply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Houston Astros, looking at we referenced this a, a couple of times already. They took care of the Yankees uh, – right before the break, winning two out of three. They had a huge comeback on sun, uh, last Sunday. Of course, Garrett Cole, a former Astros pitcher, congratulations to him. He pitched a hell of a game uh, last Saturday. I watched Yay. the majority of that game. He wanted that game Yo, against his former he team. He wanted that. <laughs> Especially that last pitch throwing at 99 miles an hour to strike oh, out yeah. Alvarez. Uh, that, was, that, that was awesome. So congratulations to him on that. But the Astros, we talked about it before, Lakina. Uh, I don't know. They they're playing great right now. I know they're led by Dusty Baker, uh, and he's in the second year of managing that ball club. They do have the office of talent. Their starting pitching, I know, is better than I thought it would be. Do I trust them? I I I, I don't know. I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, as we talked about it early in this segment with the White Sox, if you want to go to the World Series, you got to beat teams like the Astros. I still believe Oakland's going to be heard from before the season's over. Uh, it's not a charade that they're three and a half big games back. It's not just, oh, we're just here just because they, they're good ball club, club folks. So uh, look out for Oakland. Houston, you got to – they're right there, but they're not as scared as they were a few years ago when they won it all. So I, I give Houston their – Props, but I'm not scared of them. I know what they did to the White Sox a couple weeks ago by sweeping them uh, in four games down there, but I'm not ready to crown them AL champs yet. Uh, that's just not me. Well, I think Houston, Houston, I think you feel like they're on a mission. It, it seems like I think they want to, sh- mm-hmm. it's sort of like them against the world. I think they know that, you know, the cheating, yeah. all that other stuff. I think they want to kind of feel like, okay, you know what? You think we're a bunch of cheaters, but you know, we're going to beat y'all. And, <laughs> and the, <laughs> You saw what happened in that last game on Sunday against um, the, the Yankees. I mean, I think the Yankees were up, I think, like, by five runs. And, you know, now this is the second time the Yankees have blown a, a lead. <laughs> they led by more than four runs. You know, just a couple weeks ago against the Angels, they're, you know, MLB teams are 493-2 and two with leading by four-plus mm-hmm. runs entering the ninth inning in this season. Both those losses have been against the – you know, both those losses, you know, were responsible for the by the Yankees. <laughs> Altuve mm-hmm. hit that walk off. You saw his reaction. You know they ripped his shirt because I think because think his judge mocked him in, like, in that Friday game where they kind he kind of like mocked yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, you know what? Look, here's the thing. I'll Mr. Do a Mike. Yeah, then I'll do a walk off and I'll rip off my whole shirt. I mean, well, that's just that was just that the whole sequence was just crazy. But you know, on, on a serious note though, I mean, 
Like, I guess, I guess their pitching is a little suspect, you know, for the, the Astros. But, look, Brantley's been doing his thing, you know, you consistently bad at, you know, hitting-wise. And, of course, you got Altuve and, you know, and the gang. So, I, I think, look, I think Houston's one of those teams where I think you feel like you can kind of, like, get to that point where, okay, you know what? We, you know, this is us against the world. We're going to try and win another one. And, you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. And, look, look, look I don't think we've seen last of Oakland either. I think Oakland will – have something to say about that division only three and a half back so I think they'll have they'll have something to say about that you know I, I think I don't because I think they're gonna be playing against each other a lot in the second half so I think that'll that definitely will be we'll definitely see whether or not you know who will win that division ultimately but I think it's definitely between those three those two I should say and I, I think that's going to be sort of the thing that's going to really really going to see who's going to win that division I think that's going to be a very exciting you know finish in that. Uh, take a look at the standings for the American League Wild Card. Tampa Bay is up two over Oakland, three and a half over Seattle, four and a half over Toronto and Cleveland. The Yankees are four and a half back as well. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim with Shohei Otani there, five and a half up on them. In the National League Wild Card race, the Dodgers are four up on the Padres, three and a half up on the Reds, six and a half over the Phillies. The Cubs are, Chicago Cubs are seven and a half back along with the St. Louis Cardinals. So, Lakina, we're at the all-star break. Like we mentioned before, the July 31st trade deadline should be and will be interesting to see what these contending teams do. Uh, those teams that I mentioned in the wild card race, will they be in the same position uh, two and a half weeks from now? We, we shall see. So, uh, things are starting to get interesting, and things will take shape once the second half of the season starts later this week. Segment number one of Second City Sports is in the books. When we return, you'll have more sports and more fun. We'll review game three of the NBA Finals between the Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks. We'll give you our keys to game four. Lakina will have a Wimbledon update as that tournament is now over. And we have a sports media story that you should be interested in. All that and a whole lot more. Along with Lakina McGee, I'm Sydney Brown. You're listening to Second City Sports. Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. All right, let's continue with more sports and more fun on this program. Let's start off with reviewing game three of the NBA Finals as we talk about basketball, of course, between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. The Milwaukee Bucks are back at home at Fiserv Arena. They got a big win last Sunday night by the score of 120-100. to 100. Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, is, has become the second player to score 40 points or more in back-to-back NBA Finals games since Shaquille O'Neal. Giannis had 41 points. Jay Crowder led Phoenix with 16. Uh, the numbers that jumped out to, to me, Lakina, was the three-point shooting for Phoenix. They were 9 of 31 for 29%. Milwaukee shot 38% from beyond the arc. Uh, there was a big th- uh, free throw discrepancy. Not that much, <clears throat> but a little too many people started complaining. Uh, Phoenix was only 11-16 from the free throw line. Milwaukee's 20 was 20 for 26 for 76 percent. Uh, the rebounding edge went to Milwaukee with the uh, plus 11 advantage. Lakina, 
I know Devin Booker uh, had 10 points off of 3 or 14 shooting. I knew that this game was going to be trouble for Phoenix when Devin Booker struggled from the perimeter early. Uh, which, a couple of things that, that, that I took away from the Game 3 win for Milwaukee. Giannis was involved early, especially uh, in the paint, which mm-hmm. opened things up for Brooke Lopez and opened things up for Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday actually played well. But it was all about Phoenix's lack of perimeter shooting. Uh, uh, shots just didn't go down. Milwaukee actually established an uh, inside presence. They actually passed the ball very well uh, as far as uh, the assistant uh, department is concerned. Actually, they uh, had a plus-seven edge on the assist-to-turnover ratio. The, Milwaukee had 28 assists. Uh, Phoenix had 21. But total turnovers, Milwaukee only had nine. Phoenix had 15. That was the other story that I took that I, that I took away from the game three win for Milwaukee last Sunday night. They played defense. They took advantage of Phoenix' lack of perimeter shooting. They established an inside game. Uh, they came away uh, with the twenty point win. Yeah, I, I think. Look, well, yeah, I think once you know, Booker missed all those you know three points, especially those three point shots early, you kind of thought, okay, mm-hmm. maybe. Okay, maybe this is a little bit of a wrap here. And look, the free throw discrepancies, I mean, you can do the whole like, oh, well, you know, they were at home and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But, you know, I, I, know, I like the fact that Monty Williams kind of didn't make excuses for it without making it th- about that. But, you know, like, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't want to get fined. So that's, a, that's, another, that's another thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, look, you know, they, they, they established Giannis early in the perimeter, like you said, Sid. I mean, you know, Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. able to get some, you know, key shots in the paint. That's sort of like the one thing that – the one thing you can say about the Suns, you know, like you probably say that you know, the paint protection, I think that's always been an issue for them. But, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I think that they were – look, the Suns were, what, 9 for 31 for three-pointer. Three-pointers just were not hitting mm-hmm. for them. And, you know, the Milwaukee was able to take advantage of that. And, look, I, I think that this is going to be one of those – look, everyone has a bad game. Unless you sweep you – know, I, look, I never th- thought it was going to be a sweep. I think people were saying that it was going to be. But, look, this Brewers – you know, I mean, bro, you know, Brewers – but the Bucks he was too talented. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was a, that was a potential there. Yeah, I was, I was at Christian Gillis. Yeah, they had you know Christian Gillis on the screen there for on my computer screen there for a second. That's why I would think about the the Brewers, but the Bucks. I think were real. You know, the Bucks is too good of a team. I think they they were able to kind of t- take advantage of it. They had a little bit of home cooking, so it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Now, but again, if you're the Suns in Game Three tomorrow, you don't want to kind of like get them back in the series. You know, if you're the Suns, you try try to hit those three pointers early on. You know, get Aiden, you know, establish Aiden in, in, on the inside. Maybe perhaps get Bridges involved because he struggled, you know, in game three. If you, mm-hmm. you want to, like, make it to a point where you want to go for the not going to punch now. Cam Johnson had 14 off the bench, you know, including a massive double over Chris Middleton. You know, that was you know, held all over the place. You know, it's going to be screenshots of it all over. It's going to be on poster. Oh, well, he's done with P.J. Tucker, yeah. PJ Did you Tucker, see P.J. Yeah. Tucker's reaction? Both his eyes lit up because he he's thought a, he, he was going to get the offensive foul call. Yeah, and it didn't yeah, happen thought, that way. Yeah, it didn't happen. Well, yeah, You've been posterized. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Middleton was like right beside him, but I think he was. He kind of had mm-hmm. a reaction to everybody had a reaction to that both benches. You know, yep. it was just crazy the reaction, but because it was a great duck by him. But yeah, they try to try to kind of like you know establish him more off the bench. You know, you know I know campaign had his struggles too. You know, only seven off the bench. I think there needs to be some more of a, a, a bench presence with them with the Suns. So you don't you don't want to give Bucks the Bucks any confidence to get back in the series. You don't. So if you're the Suns, you try to establish, you know, get that three-pointer going, you know, you didn't have it. Look, it happens. 
but mm-hmm. just just try but just try to kind of establish a tempo early on unfortunately once once the Suns weren't hitting their threes and the Bucks were the Bucks were able to establish their style and their tempo and they kind of like had a big got a big lead by the second quarter and they never looked back yeah speaking of inside presence uh, as I mentioned uh, just a couple moments ago Milwaukee had a 14-point edge uh, in terms of points inside the paint. Milwaukee had 54, Phoenix had 40. And going back to the flip side for a moment for Phoenix, I know that, that DeAndre Aiden, uh, you take a look at his stat sheet. Oh, he scored 80 points. He grabbed uh, nine rebounds. Uh, he grabbed four rebounds. Uh, sorry, nine rebounds. I was right. Yeah, nine rebounds. But he was in foul trouble early. He couldn't handle Giannis down low. And I know that he only played 24 minutes, but – you could tell early, too, that besides Devin Brooker missing his shots from the outside, DeAndre Aiden, he just couldn't handle Giannis. No one could have handled Giannis last Sunday night. So uh, for, for Phoenix, you know, you're staying out of foul trouble. You forced the tempo because Milwaukee forced the tempo in the game three, especially grabbing long rebounds and, and sharing the ball. Uh, at one point I saw a stat, I don't know if you caught this, Lakino, on, on the broadcast, um, when uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks had 110 points at the time. 105 of those 110 points, all three of those guys had an assist on those and, and, uh, out, uh, on 105 points out of those 110 points. That's when you sh- when you share the ball, you move the ball around, it gives your teammates open shots. And that's what happened with Milwaukee last Sunday. I didn't see Phoenix forcing the tempo. They were forcing up bad shots, and it just didn't go. Uh, Chris Paul, I know he had a so-so game, but, you know, Phoenix didn't play their game. Like you mentioned, shots weren't falling. Uh, they did force the table. Uh, early foul trouble, especially in the paint, that's what did them in. Uh, going back to Chris Paul, I know he had nine assists go, go along with 19 points on, on 34 minutes of action, but uh, you have to have more than Chris Paul to carry you through with you to Phoenix Suns. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say they're in trouble. They're not. It, it, it depends on what happens in game four tomorrow night. But uh, it, it was a bad game. Uh, Milwaukee established their presence early. They established tempo, which carried them through, uh, for that uh, blowout win in game three. But Phoenix, I, I believe, is still in control of this series. Milwaukee, as you mentioned, they had the home cooking. That crowd was, uh, was electric on Sunday night. They did what they had to do. Let's just see if Milwaukee can bring the uh, the, the tempo again for Game Four tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean Giannis had Giannis had a, a double, a forty point double double in back to back games to join LeBron and Shaq as the only mm-hmm. two players to do it in the, in the NBA Finals. But uh, but I think like you said, Sid, I think that like Aiden needs to sort of try to kind of like you know maneuver over you know, a move or Giannis. I mean, that, that's going to be the thing. Mm-hmm. I know that's a, that's a tough task, but that's something he has to do. I mean, he had 18 points, like you said, said foul trouble kind of did him in, you know, for, yeah. for, for a lot of the stuff, I think, if you, if you think about it. But so it, it's just, you know, look, it, look everybody, look, even some of the all-time grades have had bad games. So for mm-hmm. people to kind of say that, oh, well, you know, hey, you know, we want to see more basketball and such. Okay, we'll keep okay, but But again, you know, you don't want to – I think those are the better team. I think they just need to start playing like it. Look, they had a bad game yesterday. Look, that's why they call it a best of seven. It happens. You're going to have, you know, clunkers like this sometimes. You're gonna so just, just burn the tape. You'll get out your minds. Try to kind of not force the threes. And then maybe you can kind of take back control of the series. 
Uh, and I believe, too, that this extra day is going to help the Phoenix Suns as well. I know some people are asking, why are they not playing tonight instead of tomorrow? Because the baseball all-star game is being held tonight. And so the NBA will give baseball its uh, due date. And <laughs> so they'll pick up the action again tomorrow. Uh, you're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney, Sydney Brown's re-review game three of the NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are up in the best of seven series, two games to one. Game four is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on ESPN. For those of you <laughs> watching internationally, but also it's going to be on ABC here in in the states. Lakina, what are your uh, before we go? Give, before I ask you your keys to game four. Uh, let's take a look at the Milwaukee Bucks box score for game three one more time. Drew Holiday, as I mentioned, he was a plus 22. He added 21 points to go on, along with nine rebounds and, and nine assists, rather, and five rebounds. Uh, Chris Middleton had 18 points, but just looking at that game is, in its entirety, it's, it seemed like that Middleton had a bigger impact. He didn't score as many points, but he had a bigger impact because shots were falling. And Pat Connaughton, once again, he only had eight points off the bench in 30 minutes of action, but he was, I believe, Milwaukee's best player in game two. Game three, it didn't show on the on the box score, but Pat Connaughton brought that energy once again off the bench for Milwaukee. Yeah, he's sort of like the, ener- the energizer bunny, I would say. I've always called him that. But uh, yeah, look, he had eight mm-hmm. points. You know, he made some he made some key defensive stops. I mean, look, Bobby Porter's, you know, there's a name that we haven't heard in a while. Bobby. So, <laughs> had eleven points off the bench, you know, had some, you know, made some a couple of, you know, key got key, some key rebounds and such. So that kind of, you know, helped them out a little bit in that. Mm-hmm. And as well, Jeff Teague, you know, had a couple of steals. So, look, I think that they got some nice, you know, quality, you know, quality player from the bench. And I think that's the thing that's been, that was missing those first couple of games in the finals. Look, can they be consistent? That's another story. But, again, at least for game three, I guess this, the bench were the stars in the game. Mm-hmm. Indeed, they were. Now let's turn our attention to our keys to game four. Uh, for tomorrow night's contest between the Bucks and the Suns. Lakina, oh, I'll ask you from the Phoenix side of things, what do they need to do to get uh, uh, control of the series to go up 3-1? Hit your threes. That's basically what it is, what you have to do. You have to hit your threes. I think, like you said, like we said, they only hit nine. They were only nine for 31 in game three. So I think if you're the Suns, don't try to force those three-pointers. Let it happen naturally like you did in the, the first two games. I think they, I think like you said, so I think that having that extra day will help them. I think that's going to really help kind of like get their you know minds right and get their bodies right. I think they might have been a little bit tired from the, you know, the time difference and such that might play a fact that might play a factor as well. So I, I think that that definitely will help them. Like if you can establish the tempo early on, you know, make, you know, make those threes, you know, get, you know, get the bucks off their skis. I think that's going to be the thing too. And I think, look, I think if you're, you know, get Bridges involved, you know, get Aiden involved, you know, get mm-hmm. the, get your guys off the bench involved too. And I think that they get that balance scoring. I think you can, and I think they can do that. So if they can do that, they can get, they can get, take, take control back of the series. I really feel that they can. I know there's been heat that's been put on Devin Booker for the last 24 to 48 hours. I know, as we mentioned before, he had 10 points on uh, three or 14 shooting. He, he's going to play much better. He has to be aggressive and like, like we mentioned before, um, even though he, uh, he's been hitting those perimeter shots, especially from three throughout these playoffs, uh, he has to be more aggressive to take the ball to the basket. And if he does say it's going to open up the perimeter game for him and for his teammates as well. So I, uh, win or lose tomorrow night, I expect Devin Booker to play uh, much better. Uh, yeah, I think so too now as for 
as for the Bucks, I mean, I think you can try, you know, look, I think Giannis, you know, does what he needs to do, but I think you also need help. You know, Holiday got had 21 in game three, mm-hmm. I think, but he needs to, you know, do more. He had a couple of big three-pointers, but again, he can do more. I think, you know, Brooke Lopez tried to be more of a force on the outside and force Aiden out of position. And, you know, Middleton, look, he had, he had 18. And then, look, I think that's, you know, look, I think you can do more too. I think that, look, you, if, mm-hmm. if, I think it's going to depend on which outside the stars, I think it's going to depend on who's like supporting cast can, will do more and can do more. I think that's going to be the key in game four. If the Suns do it, I think they can take back control, you know, perhaps, you know, when they get back to Phoenix, you know, by the, by this weekend, they'll probably be celebrating. If you're the Bucks, if the Bucks win, they can go back and make the best of three. I agree with you with the point uh, on the points for both teams from Milwaukee. Uh, I like to see Chris Milton uh, score a little bit more. I know, he had 18 on Sunday, but if you could get him over 22 points, I think he'll be okay. Drew Holiday, he's the key. Can he do it again uh, in, in game four? We talked about in our last episode, Lakina, that Drew Holiday, outside that one block on Devin Booker, I believe late in game two, he was a, excuse me, uh, he was a no-show. But in game three, he stepped up with 21 points and nine assists, as I mentioned a few moments ago. I want to see if he could do that again. And like you said, Lakina, who's going to step up off that Milwaukee bench can Bobby Portis bring that energy once again? It was surprise to me that he had 11 points. Pat Connington, uh, uh, how much more does he have left in the tank off that bench from Milwaukee? As we uh, started to see here, Lakina, I think we talked about this too in our last episode when we had Ricky O'Donnell and Big Dave Watson. Uh, the depth from Milwaukee is not as good as people think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phoenix has the better talent, the better depth. That's why I had them winning this series in five games, sub five games. And so, uh, if Giannis can get that consistent help once again, I expect this series to be 2-2. I did pick Phoenix in five, and so I will stick to that, which means that I'm picking Phoenix to win tomorrow night. But I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee wins it tomorrow night if they get that same effort again as they did last Sunday. Like I said, that, that's going to be the interesting – that's going to be the million-dollar question, right? I mean, which teams are which teams <laughs> going to show up tomorrow night? So we'll see what happens. It should be a fun one. Yes, right. it should be. You li- you're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We have a few minutes left with you guys for today's show. Lakina, there was a tennis tournament that took place over the weekend that wrapped up called Wimbledon. Unfortunately, your show could not find the time to watch it. Both the men's and women's finals took place. Who won those, well, I'll those start- uh, final matches? Well, I'll start on the men. You got Novak Djokovic. It's his sixth Wimbledon title. It's Again, a, yeah, it's his, well, yeah, he's yeah, he's won three of these. Remember, they didn't have a they didn't have a tournament last year because of COVID. Year, so, right. but you know, he, he came in and look, this is once again another Grand Slam where he had to earn earn his way. He lost the first set against Matteo Berrettini of Italy, who I think has the game to kind of like you know he'll win a cup, he'll win his share of Grand Slam. He's only twenty two, so he'll win mm-hmm. his share of matches you know, of Grand Slam finals. But, you know, look, Djokovic came back, you know, won the last three, six, four, six, four, six, three. And, you know, that's his 20th Grand Slam. And now he joins both Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal for all three of them have won, you know, tw- at least 20 mm-hmm. Grand Slam titles. I mean, look, I think it's just amazing. He also, he's also the first guy since Rod Laver back way back in 1969 to hold all three, you know, the first three Grand Slams, you know, Aussie Open, the French Open, and now Wimbledon. If you look mm-hmm. at his comments, you look, you feel like he had to earn all those those last two, especially he kind of had to earn those because he was down 
He's down two sets in the in the French Open. Now he was down one set here, and just in the you know the fact that we're in this era where we we saw Federer, Nadal, and now Djokovic all winning at least twenty. We'll see if they can pass that at the U.S. Open in a couple of weeks. You know, Djokovic said he's going to mm-hmm. take about a he's going to take a few weeks off before you're getting ready for the Olympics and 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 whatnot. And yet the U.S. Open only about a month after that. So he's going to play. I'm sure he's going to play a hardcore tournament. I think I think it's I think it's a hardcore. I think they're doing it in Tokyo. I'm not sure, but. But it's just an amazing accomplishment mm-hmm. what he's what he's been able to do, and the fact that this era where if you're Pete Sampras, you know you're, you're thinking to yourself, oh well, 14, you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna pass me, and well, the, well whoop, Federer does it, and then a few years later, whoop, Nadal does it, now now uh, Djokovic does, it. now you, now they all three, all those three, all three of them have 20, so just an amazing feat, and you know just this this great era of tennis, the fact that he's still doing this, he's 34, Djokovic, I mean, so. He is still playing at a high level, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he breaks the record you know, you know, with the U.S. Open. We'll see. But As I asked this question before on the show, Lakina, I'll ask you again. When are we going to have a, uh, an American dominating on the men's side, especially? We haven't had it, like, as you mentioned, Pete Sampras, not your agency, and that's when we were teenagers. Yeah. Not to age ourselves on the show. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't like I said I don't know I mean I think Tiafo made all the way to the uh, the four I think he made it to the third round um mm-hmm. there've been a couple of other guys too so but I uh, Jack Sock and you know I think Donald Young I mean look I think just think it's unfortunate that we just don't have the the, the players are there for the Americans but I just think that you you've got guys like the three guys I mentioned plus you got Tim you got Brother Tuni Berrettini now from Italy and a few other guys too so it's gonna be hard for the American men because I just I just think that it's just I I, I don't know I wish I look I wish I had an answer for that if look you, you ask a tennis expert you ask you know Patrick McElroy John McElroy and then those guys they'll probably they probably won't be able to tell you either so <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what about on the female side I'm glad you asked Ashley Barty from Australia. She's the first Aussie woman to win Wimbledon in 50 years. You got to go all the way back to 1971, said Yvonne Gulagong. I'm not, we're not that old, folks, I promise you, but <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not. Speak that- for yourself. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm not going to. It's her a, it's a, it's a, it's a second grand slam. She has an Aussie Open. She won an Aussie Open a few years back, and, you know, she has some injury problems. You know, she's number one still, but she's been consistently coming back. You know, of course, with COVID, everything was thrown off, but she's been able to, mm-hmm. you know, come back and win. You know, and she said she said this was actually the tournament that was most important to her because she won won the junior tournaments, you know, years ago. So, look, she's got the game. I think. Look, she, you know, I think she definitely has the game. She got the mindset. She'll definitely win more. I think she's only twenty five. So, mm-hmm. again, I think look, I think she's definitely got the mindset in the game to do it. So, look, I think Ashley Barty is sort of one of those players where I think. You know, people know who she is. You know, we're starting to see her more now winning tournaments. So, you know, she's back at it now that she's fully healthy. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her. I mean, I think hopefully, you know, Kelly Plitskova, you know, this is her second, oh, she's her second grand set file. She's lost again. She lost, uh, I believe she lost to Ozzy Open to Naomi Osaka uh, early this, you know, early this year. They might have been last, you know, last year. But but I think she, she's, she'll get her chance to win a couple of grand sales. But, yeah, but Barty, I think, is one of those players that she'll definitely be number one for a while. Now, Coco Goff, I mean, she made all the way to the, court, the quarters. Look, she's only 17, so I think people need to kind of give her a break on there. Now, maybe by in a couple of years, if she do, it still doesn't win a, a Grand Slam, then you probably say, okay, wish going to do it. But she's got a little bit of time. She's only 17, folks. Give her, give her a break. You know, she had a, I, I thought this was going to be a rivalry from the U.S. Open from a few years ago. What happened to Madison Keys? 
injuries, and I think she made okay. it all. She made it. She made it to the quarter. She made it to the round of sixteen, but unfortunately, she lost. So injuries have been kind okay. of been a problem for her. So hopefully, she can kind of get it together too. The U.S. Open, I think, is a perfect opportunity for her to, to do that. So she's actually, I think, she's also going to be on the Olympic too. I think I believe with Coco Golf. So. Okay. We'll see if the two of them kind of you know get get at it. But I think look, I like she's I think she's only like nineteen or twenty, so I think she's got some time too. But yeah, I think people are, are starting to ask questions about her as well. Probably her more so she's in her early twenties, I believe. I think she's like twenty two, mm-hmm. twenty one or twenty two. So yeah, so I think yeah, hopefully, especially since it looks like Serena Williams might be on her on her last legs herself. So. Yeah. No, we've been saying that about her for the last few years. She pops up winning a, a major here and there. So Serena's not giving up that crown just yet. <laughs> but like you said, Father Time is undefeated. So we'll see what happens with Serena. <laughs> yeah, so again, yeah. So again, congrats to Barty and to Novak. Um, yeah, both deserving champions. And we'll see. We'll see if Novak can win all can win all four and hold all four. <laughs> but it's gonna be a, an interesting feat, but we'll see what he, if he can do it. All right, let's wrap up today's show with this uh, uh, last story from the sports media world. It looks like Sinclair Broadcast and Lakina, uh, they, as a, a couple of years ago, they bought up the Fox Sports Regional Networks, is now repackaged and uh, renamed Bally Sports. It looks like they may go after the NBC Sports Regional Networks. This comes from our good friends at the New York Post. Sinclair Broadcast Group, already the nation's dominant owner of regional sports networks, has made an offer to acquire NBC Universal seven regional sports networks, including NBC Sports Chicago. If Sinclair succeeds by buying the regional sports networks, it will add dozens of popular national basketball association, the NBA, and Major League Baseball teams to his already vast collection of sports broadcaster rights, including the Chicago Bulls, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, Washington Capitals, Golden State Warriors, and San Francisco Giants. A deal will also give Sinclair an 8% stake in New York's, uh, in Sportsnet New York, which brought, uh, S&Y, which is a Sportsnet New York, which broadcasts New York Mets games. That's what it said. The preliminary offer for an amount that could not be immediately uh, uh, be uh, um, released, was made part of a June 28th deadline for his first round of bids. Two sources are familiar with the talks told the Post. That means the offer could easily come to a nod because Sinclair has not yet been privy to all of his financial details around the NBC RSNs, which will only be provided to bidders that make it through the auction uh, next round. Comcast declined to comment. Sinclair did not return calls for comment. As first reported by the Wall Street Journal back in May, Comcast owned NBC Universal has been exploring a sale of his RSNs, which we talked about on the show before, as it struggles to figure out what the next steps for a business segment that's been slowly uh, dismantled by core courting. RSNs relies on cable and satellite TV customers who have been in decline thanks to the growth of streaming video. The pandemic worsened the problem because of consumers found themselves being billed extra to watch sports despite a, a banned live sporting events. Sinclair is making his offer despite significant pressure on his own regional sports network business businesses, which gives the right to broadcast the games of 14 Major League Baseball teams, 16 NBA teams, and 12 National Hockey League teams, which including the St. Louis Colonels and the Dallas Mavericks, which Sinclair announced it's still to buy the 21 regional sports networks from Fox for, for reportedly $9.6 billion back in 2019. Investors sent back the stock of soaring 35%, but the cable operator, which has been rebranded Bally Sports, has been forced to write down 
4.2 billion on the investment as cable operators refuse to pay what they once did to air the sporting events. That's just part of the article from the New York Post from two weeks ago. Lakina, as we uh, talked about this before, uh, change in, in, especially in this industry, uh, comes to a head every so often. You know, we uh, not to get off topic a little bit, but we've seen uh, anchors being cut due to financial costs at ESPN. Um, as we talked about before, these uh, Fox Sports regional networks that were bought up by Sinclair, now known as Bally Sports. I wouldn't be shocked if this move ha happens again because it looks like uh, Sinclair is going to have a monopoly on these regional sports networks. It, it, it gets them to those bigger markets, as we mentioned, like New York, Chicago, in uh, a couple of those big-time cities out on the West Coast. Uh, as I said before, uh, there's um, multiple ways to uh, view a live sports, whether it's streaming, and it's not just by regular television anymore. It's, it's by streaming, whether it's via your computer, <laughs> by your phone, and by other ways. So uh, the, the way I take, uh, uh, the way I, what I take from this story is Sinclair is trying to put a monopoly, like ESPN is trying to put a monopoly on uh, sports broadcasting. I know Fox is still out there. You have the three major networks with CBS, ABC, and NBC, especially when it comes to football. But it looks like Sinclair is trying to pull an ESPN with a monopoly on these regional sports networks. That's what I take out of it. But as before, as we said before, nothing's official yet. They're in preliminary talks. We'll see what happens down the road. Yeah, I think this is sort of one of those things where I think Bally, they're trying to, like you said, they're trying to get into the sports. Look, Sinclair's been trying to get into the sports business for a long time and, you know, mm -hmm. going, you know, you know going ahead to have with Bali, you know, kind of letting them take the lead on that and sort of like getting that with a stench from that. So we'll see what happens if they can. I mean, they already have, they also stuff out west, you know, they already have Los Angeles, mm -hmm. you know, in, under their belt and a few other regions, you know, in that in that area so they already have that now they want to come for the new york and chicago and those places so and, and dc you know among others so this is sort of like a thing yeah, this could be a thing in the future where you're going to be seeing a lot of monopolies i mean i guess it's better than them going to i guess the streaming since of course we, we talked about that about a month ago said that they were trying to they may put some of the comcast they may put them on streaming mm -hmm. services or, you know, may put them all on peacock you know, you don't want that. So I think that this might be, well, mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see what, what direction they go. I think this is going to be like a thing where we're going to be seeing this down a lot, down the line where I think it's going to be a lot of, excuse me, they're going to be, there's going to be a lot of, you know, folks that are going to be battling for some of these regional networks, especially sports networks, especially because of the fact that, you know, Fox doesn't want them anymore. Comcast is getting, looking to get rid mm -hmm. of them. So they are looking for a new home. And again, what's going to happen to some of the people who work behind the scenes and in front of the camera? I mean, Bali mm -hmm. got rid of Dar you know, Darren Sutton, who's, you know, who's been working, you know, for, you know, play, play for the Angels for, I think, like almost a decade. So they got rid of him. So it's going to be just to see what happens if they do go that route and go with Bali. I mean, will that be sort of a thing where, like, it's going to be a lot of, you know, you know, going to be a lot of change of faces. So are they going to go younger mm -hmm. or whatever? So it, it's, it's, it's a lot to take in. And again, like you said, this is, it's, everything's still preliminary, but, you know, it'll be interesting what, what route, you know, they take, because I think that I'm sure Apple, I heard like Apple is going to, is interested in getting some of these, you know, regional sports networks. So it, it's, it's like I said. It's I was just going to bring that real quick uh, before we get about it here. I was going to bring that up. I, I read the article from our good friends at Awful Announcer. They're in 
trying to see if they could purchase NFL Sunday ticket. Of course, as you know, right now, the NFL Sunday ticket is, is, is exclusively on direct TV, mm-hmm. but uh, Appleson talks is trying to purchase that as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's going to be, that's going to be the million dollar question, right? So it's going to be very interesting what they, what they do with that. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Now, real quick, before we wrap up here, Sid, um, give a shout out to Italy for winning their fourth, I believe, Euro Cup. You had a great final between them and England. And mm-hmm. for the people that were threatening some of those three stars from England, you know, that's not cool. You know, sending them racial, you know, you know, tweets and stuff. You know, they did face. Um, Marcus, I heard that story. That was just stupid. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Rashford's um, mural just outside Man- Man- um, Manchester because he plays for Manchester United. It's, it's not cool. I mean, look, there are other factors that went into that. England probably should have won that match before we even got to PKs. I mean, that's another thing. But look, England was, look, Italy was the better team. So the England was playing with house money. So the fact that they were able to kind of force it to eat you know, to PKs, I think that's you know that that should be you know, look. You got to give them credit for that. And I think you know Garrett Southgate should be getting some of the blame here for bringing on some of those three young guys of you know instead of not having Jordan Henderson or Raheem Sterling, guys who have been there, guys who are veteran guys to take those PKs, but look, Italy earned it. You know, this is their, their first title since 68, you know, Euro, Euro Cup title. So it was a great final. And the fact that it's being marred by just a bunch of dumb people, you know, English soccer fans and, you know, the media, it's just, just, just leave the guys alone. Leave, leave England alone. They, they, look, they have everything to be proud of. They can go up from here. So we all just leave, I'll just leave England alone. I'm just going to say that. All right. On that note, that closes down another great, chapter in this episode of second city sports you can find yours truly on the twitter and the ig at sidkid80 once again at sidkid80 that's s-i-d-k-i-d-a-0 that's s-i-d-k-i-d-8-0 you can follow me at kimmy mcgee on the twitter and i can underscore again on the ig you can follow this podcast second city sports first right here on youtube at war media once again at w-a-r-r media Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can find the audio version of this podcast. It drops every Tuesday and Saturday at War or Anchor. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday at War or Anchor. We're available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in those search engine, engine boxes, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can follow us on all social media platforms. There's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much for your continued support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes. For Lakina, I am Sid. You listen, you've been listening to Second City Sports. We'll have another episode for you coming up uh, this weekend for the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Baseball will get back into full swing. The NBA Finals will continue Will the series be tied at two games apiece? And will Phoenix have a grab hold on this series? And we'll get into this in our next episode, Lakina. But USA basketball did not do so well. We'll see what happens in their next exhibition game. For Lakina, I'm Sid. You've been listening to Second City Sports. Until next time, holla! Stay safe, everybody.